Hello, I'm Mercedes. And I'm Tash. And you're listening to episode 35 of Chat Disney. Thirty-five, Tash. If we were a Disney park, we'd be having a celebration. We would, and we should. What should we do to celebrate? I don't know. Give us some ideas. <laughs> yeah, let's have a party or something. I think when we get to a year, we'll definitely do some kind of big celebration, and we would love to include as many of you as possible in that. So definitely, yeah, yeah we'll definitely do that. But yes, welcome back to another week of the Chat Disney Podcast. Thank you once again for tuning in. This week we are going to be starting a little mini series all about a topic which I know so many people are super super fond of, and that is the Disney print. Princesses. We'll also be wrapping the episode up with a very special game. There are no strings on me. But before we head into all of that, let's have a quick look at what's been happening in the world of Disney this week. So Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, came out this week and said something a little bit controversial uh, about the Star Wars franchise. He essentially said that he feels there's been too many Star Wars movies over a short period of time and there's something so special about the Star Wars films that less is more. Um, I have to say I agree with Bob Iger there. He has actually, since um, he released this statement, defended himself, saying he wasn't dissing Star Wars in any way at all. He was just saying that he feels the franchise has maybe accelerated a little little bit too quickly. Um, What with things like Rogue One and Solo coming out, and, you know, we've got series like Mandalorian, which will be coming to Disney Plus super soon. Um, yeah, interesting one. Tash, you probably couldn't care less. Not really. Wise man. I, I do agree, though. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm kind of starting my journey with the, the original films, um, but I do agree. It's like, I'm going to do the original six, and then after that, I, can, I honestly couldn't tell you how many films there are now. I yeah. have no idea. Yeah, many, many. Many, good answer. In other news, <laughs> Disney Plus finally comes out tomorrow, Tuesday, but unfortunately still not for us here in the UK. Um, This does mean that, of course, the reviews from the critics are now in, so do check them out if there is a particular show that you are very excited about. They have also confirmed that Avengers Endgame will be on there tomorrow. Very exciting, but yeah, completely wasted on us in the UK. In travel news, TUI have announced they're going to stop their Dreamliner flying into Orlando Sanford Airport as of 2022. There's no explanation as to why this is, but for me personally, it's got to be something to do with this Thomas Cook stuff, I feel. Like, I, I just feel like perhaps they're not selling enough Disney holidays nowadays. It's not worth their while. Um, I don't know. But, yeah, if you are going on a TUI holiday or TUI are your normal company of choice when it comes to booking trips to Orlando, something to be aware of. They are going to be stopping their flights to Orlando Sanford Airport as of 2022. Last week also finally saw the release of The Little Mermaid Live. This was a show that was on ABC. Um, it had been talked and discussed about for, a good, well, I think it was only a couple of months before it actually aired. Um, however, there were some very, very mixed reviews about it. Um, a lot of people took to Twitter complaining about it. Um, so overall, it was a total flop. Um, some of the criticisms were there was a scene where Ariel was singing when she had already sold her voice to Ursula. Um, it was kind of integrated with 
scenes from the actual film so there was very little live elements to it um john stamos at one point playing chef louis called eric prince albert <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, Shaggy and Sebastian had no lobster claws. Oh, and uh, Flounder, I mean, if you haven't already, just Google image it because it just looks like a joke. Um, but yeah, apparently Queen Latifah did carry the show, so well done, Queenie. Um, but yeah, bit of a disappointment. Let's hope that the live action movie can succeed our expectations. Absolutely. And those of you that are heading over to California, a bit of fun parks news for you. They do like to release the limited edition sippers in the US <laughs> parks. These are essentially just drinking vessels. Um, they're normally themed, they're normally limited edition. They like to create quite a lot of of hype around them to ensure that many, many people buy them. And they have released, uh, actually November the 8th in the California park, a Mickey Jingle Bell Bauble Sipper. So it looks like the traditional Mickey Mouse Jingle Bell that you might know, Mickey Mouse Bell? <laughs> Mickey Mouse, wow. Mickey Mouse Jingle Bell. That, that is a mouthful. It's a mouthful. Um, that you might hang on your Christmas tree. Traditionally, I've got a gold one that sits on my tree. It's Mickey Mouse shaped and it's a Jingle Bell but a sipper version so if you are heading over to california i'm sure they'll bring this to florida as well that is the latest bit of merchandise that's got everyone whipped into a frenzy that sounds amazing does it actually have a jingle bell in it because i feel like that could get quite <laughs> annoying i actually don't time yeah you go to yeah that's a really good question I'm just walking around the park with it yeah jangling I actually don't know the answer to that probably not no someone and finally um, we did discuss a couple of weeks ago um, that it has been confirmed Disney Plus have confirmed Hocus Pocus 2 last week they finally confirmed that the original lineup of actresses will be returning in their roles so this is obviously Bette Midler Sarah Jessica Parker and the other one. We always do this. <laughs> I yeah. I feel really bad, but... She's in Rat Race, isn't she? She is, yeah. She's the woman from Rat Race yeah. that's the third witch uh, in Hocus Pocus. And that is your news for this week. We're now going to be heading into the main part of the episode. I don't know about you, Tash, but I'm very, very excited. Me too. Part one of our Disney Princess mini-series. <laughs> Disney princesses, you have to live under a rock to not be familiar with at least one of the Disney princesses. Um, I mean, in their own right, they are a franchise and, and we're going to be talking about them. So we're going to be starting with the first six Disney princesses today and then we'll be discussing the following six Disney princesses next Monday. So make sure you tune into part two of this mini series for the more contemporary modern day princesses. So shall we just get straight stuck in with the one that started them all it is of course from the 1937 classic snow white and the seven dwarfs snow white yes the original disney princess and like you say the one who started it all um for me i i think snow white you can say you could definitely consider that she is the sweetest princess of them all um she's certainly not a favorite of mine i mean she doesn't quite have the same Hero- heroism? The heroism. Of- heroism. Is it heroism? Hero- that sounds like a drug. Heroism. <laughs> it is heroism. <laughs> yeah, heroism. Yeah. yeah. That, um, yeah, her- heroism. Um, that some of the later princesses um, kind of embody. Um, but I do, I do like her very sweet side. I like the relationship that she has with the dwarves where she kind of becomes a bit of a motherly figure 
to them. Although I, it is a little bit weird, I think. Um, for me, my favourite aspect of Snow White is her ability to be in touch with the animals and communicate with the animals, which is something we see in pretty much all of the Disney princesses, actually. Um, but yeah, I think she's great. I think the only thing for me is is her voice, unfortunately. Yeah, of course. So as we said, Snow White came out in 1937. Snow White was voiced by Adriana Casalotti. And she has got, I mean, this, this movie was in production for like 11, 12 years. So it was made in the 20s. It's almost 100 years old that they, like, God, it is, well, isn't it? well, 100 years ago, they began the production on this movie, essentially, or give or take a couple of years. Um, so when you look at it that way, it isn't that surprising that the voice is so different. If you look at live action movies that were made around a similar time, I mean, the quality just isn't there. And I think... Um, yeah when you look at the animation style and everything that they were producing that long ago it's so amazing and we spoke about this in our golden era of Disney if you've not listened to that episode feel free to go back into the chat Disney archives and give it a listen but we're not talking about the movie we're talking about Snow White herself the character and I think everything Tash said is spot on there Um, she's a very naive character she is very sweet she's very maternal she's very loving Um, she's a very stereotypical woman in that she's cleaning the dwarf's house and she's baking a pie and I'm sure that stuff wouldn't stand up nowadays if the movie was being released. Um, the, The narrative itself Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. It comes from the Brothers Grimm, um, obviously German fairy tale um, that the Walt Disney Company did adapt and craft to make their own movie. And we've seen loads of Snow White characters throughout cinema. Um, But what's quite interesting when you look at Disney's take of Snow White is they've never really revisited her. There was never a Snow White animated series. There hasn't been any sort of um, straight to VHS, straight to DVD sequel um the only you know addition we get to that original movie is that she's in the parks and we get to meet her as a face character and she has got um the snow white scary adventures ride as well the dark ride in Fantasyland. but other than that it's almost like disney hold her on this pedestal and she is the first disney princess and they're kind of scared to touch her and they're kind of scared to revisit her as a character um I used to be the same as you. I used to not like her very much. But then as I've got older and I have kind of appreciated the Disney company a little bit more and things and Walt himself, she'll always hold a really special place in my heart purely because she was the first one. But if not, like, I can give or take her. Yeah, I completely agree with what you're you're saying there. I think you, you vocalised that very well. Um, yeah, I, I kind of think that with... If they try to revisit her now it would almost be too difficult because like how her character would be and again like we'll probably talk about this a lot with these early Disney princesses but the way they were represented then is very different to today's standards and you would have to kind of change her character almost to meet today's standards um I mean I guess we see a little bit of her in Wreck-It Ralph 2 um Ralph Breaks the Internet sorry but apart from that yeah you're quite right it is only in the part in parts and she still embodies kind of that character and like that those personality traits of how she is in the films but it would be interesting to see what they would do with her if they did revisit her today um but yeah i almost think that there would be too many people that would be upset about it because she is the original I some agree. things need to be left well enough well well enough alone i agree and i think actually ralph breaks the internet is a really good one to mention because i think what they do there is they must parody her yeah to make it okay because it's like look we know that she's not the 21st century feminist yeah. 
So we'll kind of make her this comedic character almost and kind of skirt around the the subject of the fact that, you know, she's not a role model for young girls today. Um, so we're kind of in agreement then. Neither of us is a big fan of Snow White. Yeah, but then I, I do feel bad for saying that because she is the original. And, you yeah. know, if it wasn't for her... Would this be a franchise today? Would these princesses would be sat here? Would we be sat here talking about them now? Um, she is the one that started it all, and I kind of think for that, you know, we need to give her a lot of credit. Yeah, I think also like very very quickly just about the movie. I know obviously today's subject is princesses, but for me, she's not the protagonist of that film. The dwarves are, yeah. and we do see the dwarves get a lot more traction, like. The Seven Dwarves Mind Train, for example, they're the only supporting characters I can think of that have a, a whole attraction. I guess there's Crush's Coaster, but yeah, not many supporting characters get like their whole, uh, you know, a coaster dedicated to them. Um, and I remember like being a kid and I had a Dwarves Mining video game and things like that. So um, I do think that she's sometimes overlooked and yeah, I feel bad saying it too, but she's not a fave. No, definitely. Shall we move on? Yes, let's indeed. So next up on the list, we have the lovely Cinderella. Um, Mercedes, what are your thoughts on Cinderella? I really like Cinderella. Um, although Snow White is the one that started it all, for me, Cinderella is like the ultimate Disney princess. And of course, you know, Cinderella story and all of that stuff, we've seen so many adaptions of that and the whole concept of rags to riches I love and there is no better story I don't think to embody that rags, rags to riches narrative um again Cinderella was Cinderella was actually a folklore story um that became popularized by Charles Perrault I think is how you pronounce it French author who penned Cinderella on uh, the French story that the Disney 1950s Cinderella is based on there is a version of the Brothers Grimm Cinderella but that is the version um, that's a little bit dark so the, the stepsisters like chop off their toes to fit into the slipper if you've seen Into the Woods the musical that is what that version of Cinderella is based on it's based on the Brothers Grimm so yeah Disney very much based it on Charles Perrault the French author but yeah I, I actually really like Cinderella for me she's the ultimate Disney princess I agree. I didn't realise how much I actually liked Cinderella until I started thinking about this episode, actually. Um, I completely agree with what you say about her being the ultimate Disney princess. I think it does come from that whole rags to riches thing. I mean, look at that ball gown that she has. I mean, you look at kind of what Snow White has when she kind of is all dark at the end and it's just that golden skirt with the blue top, whereas Cinderella, like, wow. And the glass slippers, I mean, come on. Yeah, and the dress as well. It really, really annoys me. But on all Cinderella merchandise and when you meet her in Disney parks, that dress is blue. But when you watch that movie, it's a beautiful white, silver, diamond almost colour. It sparkles and yeah. Yeah, I, I almost feel like if they had her in the parks in that silver diamondy number, then she would completely stand out from the other Disney princesses. And they, I feel like they've made it blue so she kind of fits in a little bit more. I feel like otherwise she would look too much like the ultimate princess. Yeah, and I think also that colour is probably quite difficult to recreate because it would come out looking grey. Yeah. Um, I think it was on 37 Disney Street when they did their Cinderella um, analysis of the movie and one of the little girls that was talking about it on there, I think it was Bonnie, said... 
I don't like her dress, it looks grey. But in a northern accent, I don't like her dress. Okay, that's my terrible northern accent. <laughs> Taking the mickey out of a young child, apologies. Um, but yeah, like, because it looked grey, she didn't like it. And she was so used to seeing the blue dress in the parks. And you kind of see this again with another character that we're going to be talking about later on. The last character we're going to talk about today, actually, where the colour of their costume in the movie is completely different to what you see on merchandise and in the park. So... For me, I think it's just that it's a difficult colour to recreate. But, yeah, I always think of Cinderella with, like, her yellow hair and her blue dress and think, yeah, she's a bit basic. But then when you actually watch the movie, and it's that scene as well, Walt Disney always said it was his favourite piece of animation. At the end of Bibbidi-Bobbidi-Boo, she raises her head, hands above her head and the dress transforms. And it is. It's this gorgeous... It, to me, the only way I can describe it is diamond. It's like a crystally white, clear colour. And it does twinkle. I know it's animation, but it twinkles. And that version of Cinderella, the movie character of Cinderella, I love. Um, but obviously, there isn't just one Disney Cinderella. There's two. Um, we have seen Cinderella in subsequent sequels. There's Cinderella a Twist in Time and Cinderella 2. But also Lily James's interpretation of Cinderella in the most recent live action. So what do you make of that character? I just love Lily James so, so much. And I really, really like her portrayal of Cinderella. I think she captures the, the sweetness and the innocence of Cinderella. But also she gives her a bit more. She's got a bit more gumption about her. Um, I just think she plays her so, so well. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, I love the dress as well. And that really is a vibrant blue. It's like yeah. we are going to go with the blue dress but we're gonna make it wow um there was that controversy at the time though when the movie came out they said that they cgi'd her waist oh yeah to make it look smaller um which you know is that any different from drawing a character in cgi and probably because it's giving girls unrealistic goals but you know we digress she's a fictional character we'll let that one slide um yeah i really like cinderella um never been a big favorite of mine though me neither it's become one I've enjoyed more in recent years oh I did love it when I was younger so when I was younger there is many a photo of me in uh my glass slippers although I couldn't say it was glass slippers slippers. which were my see through jelly shoes um and a little pinny and a little hat and god-awful makeup um so I think Cinderella was one for me when I was growing up that I really loved more than I would have thought I did now um but again, a big thing that I love about that film, I love all the animals. I mean, I know when we were talking about our songs, you know, I don't like the work song, but I do love the relationship that she has with the mice and even Bruno and Lucifer and yeah. Yeah, and quite a lot of times passed here between, you know, Snow White and Cinderella. We've got Irene Woods in the role of Cinderella in the, the voice role. And between the two movies, there's 13 years which is quite a long time. Um, so things have evolved. We don't have that high-pitched kind of 1920s spe- uh, squeaking singing voice. So, um, yeah, it's just a little bit more 1950s. You know, one's post-war, one's pre-war. Quite a lot has happened between the two movies. So for me personally, there's quite a big evolution, I think, between Snow White and Cinderella. Shall we move on? Let's. So the third princess that we're going to be chatting about today is the Princess Aurora, Briar Rose, Sleeping Beauty. She has many a name um, from the 1959 classic Sleeping Beauty. Um, The narrative that they based 
this version of Sleeping Beauty on was again another Charles Perrault fairy tale, the French author. But again, the Brothers Grimm did do a version that was a lot darker of this story. But what I love about this version of Sleeping Beauty, and I think what really makes the movie stand out for me, is that the Sleeping Beauty ballet, the Tchaikovsky music from that ballet, was weaved into the movie and they used that music throughout. So that's kind of your background in terms of Sleeping Beauty and the Disney depiction of Aurora. What do you think of her character, Tash? Um, For me, looking at her physically, I think Aurora is the most beautiful of all the princesses. Um, I think facially she's beautiful. She's got that amazing golden hair, which is just the ultimate hair, I think. Um, And I always loved her outfits, even that kind of plain um, one with like the white sleeves, like in the dark bodice and the grey skirt. Love that. Um, And then obviously, you know, you've got the pink or the blue dress at the end. Again, love that. Um, As a princess for me, I mean, again... Sleeping Beauty is not a film, out of all the Disney princess films, I would actually say it's the one I'm kind of least into. I don't know why. Um, I mean, it's interesting she is a princess where actually, I don't know how many lines she has in the film, but she's pretty much asleep for the whole film. Off the top of my head, and I haven't looked this up, so this could be wrong, I think it's 14 yeah, I think you might be right. That doesn't It's like out. 12 it or really, 14. Yeah. It's really low. So, yeah, I think that is interesting in this film. It is it is really Maleficent who carries the film. And Philip. And Philip, of course. And it's the first time that we've kind of seen both the villain and the prince in more of a forefront role. Yet, when we think about Sleeping Beauty, we still think of her as a very central part. Because she is. I mean, everything they're doing is, you know, based around her. But yeah, she's just not that present. I agree with you. And I think for me with Aurora, I completely agree. I'm the exact same as you. She's got those big violet eyes and, you know, these gorgeous locks of hair. I think she is beautiful. I was always frustrated as a kid that I didn't get to see her dress in green. I would have liked Fauna to have pointed at it. I always wanted to see it in green when I was younger. Would have complimented those violet eyes, so lovely. Um, But no, I agree. I really like Aurora. I really liked her when I was growing up. I remember having a really meaningful encounter with her in Disneyland Paris when I was younger and I don't know, those small kind of things always made you warm to a character when you were a kid. Um, But yeah, I really, really love seeing her in Disney parks as well, especially in Paris when they occasionally bring her out at the Auberge restaurant in her blue dress. It's the only place in the world you will get to see Cinderella, not Cinderella, Aurora in her blue dress. If you got to see Cinderella in Aurora's blue dress, that would be very strange indeed. Um, The character of Aurora... Traditionally, her name was Aurore, um, which is a French name that literally in English translates to Dawn. I'm really glad they didn't call her Dawn in this movie. No, I mean, yeah. It wouldn't, it wouldn't have suited her. I don't think so. Her. Definitely not. They do kind of... Um, mention that a little bit in the beginning they say that her parents named her after the dawn because she brought sun and light into their lives or something like that uh but yeah i'm glad that they didn't call her princess dawn um the name briar rose actually comes from the brothers grim version of the story so they retitled the narrative uh 
Briar Rose or the tale of Briar Rose or something like that. What's really interesting is that the title in French and still to this day, if you are in Disneyland Paris and you're going up the staircase to where they've got all of the stained glass windows, because it is, of course, Sleeping Beauty Castle in Paris as it is in California, there's a storybook that's open and the title name that you have on the inside page is Le Belle Le Bois Dormant, which I actually didn't know this, but a Spanish friend of mine told me this, even though it's French. It translates as the sleeping beauty in the woods. I didn't know that. Yeah. So still to this day, if you're a French speaker, you will know sleeping beauty as le belle le bois de mar, which means the sleeping beauty in the woods. And the reason why is because that is what the original Charles Perrault story was called. So when Disney came to rename the movie just Sleeping Beauty, they kept that original title for French audiences because that's how they were familiar with the fairy tale. So that's quite interesting. But, of course, it's not the only depiction of Aurora that we've seen the Walt Disney Company produce. We've also got Elle Fanning in the role of Aurora in Maleficent. I can't comment on this because I have seen neither of the Maleficent films. Yeah, I've seen the first one and I don't like it. I will say that off the bat. I really, really don't like the Maleficent movie, the first one. I haven't seen the second. I probably won't if we're being completely honest. I find Elle Fanning's depiction just a bit wishy-washy. She's very insipid, very weak, very feeble. And that's kind of what they're going for. Because essentially with Maleficent, it's kind of like the story you don't see in the animation. And it's kind of Maleficent's perspective. You're meant to side with Maleficent. You're meant to feel sorry for her. So they very much portray Aurora as this very meek, pathetic girl, in my opinion. And... I think it does her a terrible injustice and I don't like it. Fair enough. There we are. Yeah. Great. Shall we move on? Let's. Okay. So next up is possibly my favourite, one of my favourites. It is, of course, our lovely Ariel from The Little Mermaid. Um, So again, quite a big jump between Aurora and Ariel in terms of when the films were released. Um, And obviously you can't talk about Ariel without talking about kind of the backlash against The Little Mermaid that has been present in the media. I feel like a lot this year, but certainly recently. Um, But again, I just think that you can't judge this film. I mean, it was not 1984? Nine. 1989. 30 years. 30 years after Sleeping Beauty. Yeah, I know. It's a long, long time, isn't it? Our biggest gap between two... So just, I guess... Snow White, Cinderella and Aurora were all during Walt's life. Yeah. And then it's almost like the Walt Disney Company kind of went off a little bit after he died. And then they were like, no, we need to do a princess. Well, Ariel's our first Renaissance princess, isn't she? So, yeah, yeah, I mean, 30 years is a big, big, long jump. And I feel like you do see a lot of differences in Ariel that you don't see in Aurora and Cinderella and, and Snow White. I mean... I know there is, you know, a lot of people saying today that they're not going to show it to their kids because, you know, she essentially gives up her voice for a man and she's only seen from afar. She's never met. But again, I think that there's a lot of, you know, traits in her personality that you can't judge by today's standards. It is very different. I'm very, very interested to see how they play this in the live action movie um, with Hayley Bailey. Hayley Bailey playing her. I can never get her name out first time. Isn't it Hallie Bailey? Hallie Bailey. Hallie Bailey. Hallie Bailey. Hallie Bailey. Hallie Bailey. Yeah, I think you're right there. 
Um, so yeah, very interested to see what they do with Ariel when uh, when she takes on the role. But anyway, I digress. Let's go back to talking about our lovely animated 80s Ariel. Um, for me, again, I think, you know, she is, she's naive. Um, she's very sweet. But then I do like that she has kind of got this stubborn teenage side to her I mean in the film she's 16 um which I feel like you know when we were teenagers there's a lot you can relate to to Ariel about you know she completely goes against her father's wishes and actually when he kind of tells her that you know she's forbidden to see or look at Eric again it kind of spurs her on to do it more and I quite like that she has got that side to her you know she knows what she wants and yes again even though it does mean selling her voice for a man she still makes that decision to go and do it herself um yeah I've just always loved Ariel um I think J.D. Benson lends her vocal talents to her in a very very spectacular way I don't think you can recreate that um yeah, that pretty much sums up my feelings about Ariel, really. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I need to say anything else. I'm not as into Ariel as you are. I've just... Ariel's one who's never really bothered me. Like, I've never really had strong opinions on her either way. Um, obviously, I love the whole mermaid aesthetic, and I love all her sisters and the different coloured tails and bras and everything. I loved that, and I loved that as a kid. I think it's worth mentioning that Jodie Benson is kind of the first voice actor we've seen so far on this list that's really embraced by the Disney community and she's she has vocalized ariel in every single guise i believe since the 1989 movie whether that be the little mermaid animated series that was on the disney channel or the little mermaid 2 or the little mermaid 3 ariel's beginning or kingdom hearts the video game or ralph breaks the internet there's been hundreds of ariel adaptations and jodie benson is um, a disney legend and she is very much on board I think with these adaptations and probably of the thought of you know if someone's going to be doing it I want it to be me which good I'm glad we get the authentic voice actor playing the character um Ariel was really really celebrated and loved in the Disney parks I mean when I went to the Magic Kingdom in Orlando when I was a little girl they had Ariel's Grotto and it was literally this whole area designed purely to be a meet and greet and the queue was always massive you could go and sit with Ariel on her rock and she had her tail flowing as a really great picture of me with Ariel when I was about seven um, and that was really exciting for me and really really got a lot of traction for visitors in the park she has of course got her dark ride as well that we see in California and Florida um, and she's often in the parades as well I think yeah there's a lot of love for Ariel in the park certainly um the narrative's obviously based on the Hans Christian Andersen movie, uh, movie, you know, that Hans Christian well, Andersen. Yeah. <laughs> there is actually a Hans Christian Andersen movie that my mum made me watch when I was a kid. Anyway, I digress. Um, no, the Hans Christian Andersen narrative and um, The Little Mermaid, you can, of course, go and visit The Little Mermaid statue as well. Have you ever seen that? No. I'm surprised. Yeah. I, I feel like you would have, yeah. on your travels, you may have um, no, stopped not to see there, it. No, no. Um, but, yeah, but obviously... In Hans Christian Andersen's narrative, it's much darker than the Disney version. And Ariel doesn't have a name. She's just the Little Mermaid. And before this episode, I was really interested to find out where the name Ariel came from. And I did a ton of research and I found nothing. Ooh. So if anyone knows... Um, where the name Ariel came from. There's a few theories online um, that John Musker and Ron Clements may have named her after somebody they knew because Ariel was traditionally a very Jewish name and I believe both of those um, writers and directors, I believe they're both Jewish. 
Um, but I, I, I'm always, I, the only times I've ever heard the name Ariel outside of the Little Mermaid is a boy's name, Ariel Jewish, and oh, they get I've never heard that. Yeah, you may, you will have done. Like, um, did you used to watch Entourage? No. Damn it. That's that one out of the uh, out of the game. That doesn't help. Um, have you ever met or seen a guy in a movie called Ari? Yeah. That will be short for Ariel. Ah. So it's quite common in America for Jewish men to be called Ariel. I've met a lot of Jewish females in America called Ariel. Oh, really? Yeah, when I did summer camp. Okay. I went to a Jewish camp. Oh, so maybe um, it's um, not got a gender then. No. How interesting. But yeah, I've only ever known men called Ariel. And then the other Ariel as well is from a Shakespeare play. I think it's... Oh, I'm going to get this wrong. I think it's The Tempest... But I'm not sure. There's definitely an Ariel in a Shakespeare play as well. But yeah, I just thought it was really interesting that they named her and where did that come from? Mm, that is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't I didn't realise that she didn't have a name in, in the hands. I'm just gonna say the hands, hands version. Yeah. Hands um, and that yeah, that is that is interesting. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. fun fact for you. I think yeah, the other thing I just want to finally mention about Ariel, the thing that I do like is of course, she does save Eric as well. I mean, in the beginning when they have that big storm and the boat goes down, if it wasn't for her, he would have drowned. Yeah, it's true. Good for you, Ariel. She's strong and yeah. stuff. I hope so, all that swimming around. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Uh, right, we're moving on to our penultimate princess now. Um, I would say arguably the most popular Disney princess of all time. She's definitely one of my favourites. I know she's one of yours, Tash, as well. It is, of course, Belle from the 1991 movie Beauty and the Beast. Belle is, for me, where this list really starts to go off into a different tangent of thinking. So the original narrative, Beauty and the Beast, again, it's one of these sort of fairy tales that has been adapted by lots of different authors but the version that Disney seemed to have been most influenced by was by a French author a female author as well which I find really interesting and her name was Jean Marie La Prise de Beaumont which I yeah that's a mouthful we'll call her Jean um so in that version there are some really really big differences the first one is that she was the daughter of a widower, so that, that bit's still correct, but that she had three brothers and three sisters. So she's one of seven. Very, very different from what we see. And there's a lot more of a look into her backstory and a lot more of a look into the prince's backstory as well, which I find really interesting. But the bit that's really, really quite different and I think that just wouldn't work nowadays and this is something that's consistent with all of the previous Beauty and the Beast novels from you know early centuries before is that there's this this theme and we do, we do see it in Beauty and the Beast where Belle is hard working and Belle is intelligent and she's ridiculed for that and you see you do see that obviously you see it they say you know she's a funny girl because she's reading a beauty but a funny girl but that really doesn't compute for me nowadays. Like, if I was watching that as a kid now, I'd be like, what are they talking about? It, it really doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's a very good point, actually, isn't it? She, it's the first time that a princess has kind of been celebrated for her intelligence. And, you know, she's a three thinker, she's independent, she's brave. 
But yeah, she is ridiculed, ridiculed for it. And I feel that does get very overlooked within the community. Yeah, like who are these people? Yeah. Like literally, who are these people? It's so weird. And we just don't really think about it like that. But anyway, so Belle, 1991, Belle. Um, the name Belle as well was kind of unique to the movie. Her name is just Beauty. But obviously the French version of the narrative means that she was called Belle, which translates to Beauty. So it's a bit like the Aurora name that we had before where she was called Aurora um so really her name should just be Beauty within the movie which you do get some people when they're talking about Beauty and the Beast if they're not big Disney fans that will refer to her as Beauty um but yeah that that kind of should be her name um voiced by Paige O'Hara she's got really lovely it's quite a deep grovelly voice um which also I guess Aurora kind of has too but it's not that sort of ultra feminine high pitched voice that we may see with some of the other characters which I really like um I love the character of Belle I've, I've got nothing negative to say about her at all no again I think you've pretty much summed every, everything up there um you know for many people she is the most popular princess and she is very very well loved um i think the whole thing that i really love about well about the story really of beauty and the beast is the fact that it's the first time that the princess doesn't just fall you know fall in love at first sight with the beast it's kind of a love story that is kind of developed and it's the more she gets to know him she doesn't just see him from afar and be like oh i love him it's something that you know she's not looking for she is very independent she is very brave, happy to be by herself. And um, yeah, it kind of develops because she sees his personality. And again, I think that's a great thing that they've kind of put into the character of, of Belle. Um, yeah, I don't really think there's much else that we can say about her. Um, I mean, again, not the only time that we've seen her. Obviously, we do have Emma Watson's portrayal of her in the live action version of Beauty and the Beast. Um, Mercedes, thoughts on that? It's really difficult for me, actually, because when I first saw Beauty and the Beast, I was blown away with it. And I still really like it as a movie. And I did think that Emma Watson was a really smart choice for the casting of Belle because of the fact that she'd played Hermione in Harry Potter and she was so synonymous with that role. And for me, Belle and Hermione are kind of in a similar vein that these intelligent brunette women who know their own mind and are book smart and get laughed because of that laughed at because of that and they don't care they pay no attention to it so for me she was a really obvious choice but upon reflection I'm really disappointed that they casted Emma Watson in the role I think she does act it beautifully but she can't sing she can't it's heavily auto-tuned and it's a musical which I just think is really embarrassing for all of the young actresses out there with so much potential that could have potentially portrayed it so much better and without auto-tune um for me it was like a really easy choice for casting and potentially not the most intelligent or smartest for the role yeah I I mean I do like her in that role I kind of feel like it goes a bit beyond talent um in terms of I think they put her in her role like you say because of her you know her portrayal of Hermione and Harry Potter and also Emma Watson is infamous for being you know she's a big advocate for, for women's rights and um you know gender equality um, and I kind of feel like they almost they put her in almost because of that to kind of bring like the real Emma into the role as well. So, 
yeah but I, I do like her role I do agree with what you're saying about the singing um, but yeah for me overall it's you know it's good a good choice yeah nicely summed up I think um, and that brings us on to our last princess your favourite Mercedes Princess Jasmine so mm-hmm. why don't you kick us off and tell us why you love Princess Jasmine so much I love Princess Jasmine I mean we, we've just said with Belle that she kind of starts to really shape these princesses into a different way she's very independent doesn't fall in love at first sight and then we've got jasmine and she's our first non-caucasian princess which is a massive deal again very individual very feisty she's not interested in prince ali she thinks he's another chancer she doesn't like him she falls in love with you know the guy from the marketplace who she shouldn't love and she's trying to change rules and trying to get laws changed so that she can marry who she wants to and i think i you know i didn't realize this at you know as a kid and actually haven't probably ever really thought about it until this moment right now but when you look at the fact that it's you know it's the middle east and again arranged marriage is still a really really big thing in the middle east and it's a you know a topic that is still up for discussion there's still lots of women who are you know made to marry to you know people they don't know or they'll have an arranged marriage where they get to meet the person once and they have to make a split decision about whether they want to spend the rest of their life with that person still happens today so it's a really poignant topical issue as well that jasmine is having to kind of meet these guys almost have these kind of interviews with them to see if their husband material and then ultimately rule her 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 father's country in her name but you know she has no say in that which obviously we'll talk about so we talk about the live action but for me, it was really inspir- inspirational as a little girl to see a Disney princess that had tan skin and big eyebrows and really dark hair and a fuller figure as well. Um, I mean, she's pretty sexualized, which I guess some parents probably don't like the fact that you can see her stomach and her boobs are massive. But it was really inspiring for me as a little girl just to see a different portrayal of a princess because for me, Snow White... Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty are both blonde for starters it wasn't until Belle that we got a brunette um Snow White obviously has got dark hair but she's that real kind of English rose complexion which I wasn't as a kid at all um there wasn't anyone very relatable for me until the likes of you know someone like Belle and then certainly somebody like Jasmine that had the darker skin and everything as well and I just really related to her as a kid and that stayed with me I just think that she's really cool really different from all of the other princesses as well in the fact that she doesn't wear a big ball gown and just love her fierce attitude yeah I love her fieriness um and her again you know independent she's not afraid to speak her mind she's not afraid to kind of shut down Jafar like again she's very bold um and yeah I think you make a very good point about kind of the you know like the sexuality of her almost and she kind of uses that to her advantage in that scene to manipulate Jafar doesn't she when she's in the red and oh, like he just makes me feel sick in that scene but to kind of distract him from Aladdin like she completely uses her femininity to try and manipulate Jafar away and not pay attention to what Aladdin's doing in the background like she knows what she's doing and it's interesting it's the first time that we've kind of seen that side to a princess all the others are kind of very sweet and you just don't see yeah like you don't see that side to them at all um and actually, I can't really think of any other princesses since her that have that side to them. No, no, I would agree it's with very you. very specific to, to her, which again is interesting because she is a Middle Eastern princess. But anyway, but then, yeah, I guess 
massive differences in Naomi Scott's version of her in the live action that came out earlier this year. And I guess that's because they completely kind of changed the narrative um, to kind of make her even more independent. Obviously, they gave her the song Speechless, um, which is amazing. I mean, it's such a shame that in the animated, Jasmine is, you know, she's the only princess that doesn't have her own song in the animated film. Um, it would have been great to see that. And, of course, they change it so that at the end she becomes the sultan. Yeah, which is a massive, massive leap. We spoke a lot about that when we did our Aladdin movie review. So if you've not had a chance to have a listen to that, highly recommend you go back and, and have a listen because Tash and I spoke for a very long time about the differences between Naomi Scott's portrayal of Jasmine and the original 1992 version as well from the animation. And what I find really interesting as well is that Jasmine's kind of the first original princess on this list. So the narrative of Aladdin comes from... From Aladdin and the Magic Lamp, which is one of the 1001 Nights narrative stories. Um, they're just kind of folklores. They weren't written by anyone. They're just kind of known by everyone. And the princess in that story was called, and I'm definitely going to say this wrong, she's called Badrul Bador, <laughs> I believe. Um, and that's kind of it. And the Princess Jasmine character is completely created by Disney. And um, she was actually named after actress Jasmine Grey. Also, the name Jasmine was very, very popular, especially in the States in the early 90s. So I think that probably had a really big influence as to why they named her Jasmine. Um, in the UK, however, we were a little bit more familiar with the character, um, the princess from the Aladdin story. Do you, do you know why? why you will know why you'll kick yourself um a man named john o'keefe brought the story of aladdin to the theater royal covent garden in 1788 for pantomime so pantomime um for those of you that don't listen um for those of you that don't listen for those of you that don't live in the uk pantomime is a kind of slapstick humorous family type of show that british people like to watch in the theater around the christmas time it's awful. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I wasn't a big fan of pantomime. I'm still not a big fan of pantomime. However, I do really recommend, if we've got any listeners that are in close proximity to London, the... Um, forgotten what it's called london palladium every christmas they've brought back pantomime and it is really 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 good it's top quality it's what you would expect at the palladium it's west end's version of pantomime so if anyone is really into pantomime i do recommend that but yeah i'm not going to be going to the theater royal in brighton anytime soon to watch their version of aladdin with like whatever the mum's called mrs Nicker Booker glory or whatever the mum's called willy wanky or something <laughs> she's not called that <laughs> widow we don't I think we might have to cut that out <laughs> no that was hilarious <laughs> she's called widow twanky she? she's called widow twanky <laughs> yes oh. so anyway moving quickly on um yeah so the character the princess character from that story was a little bit more familiar in in england because of pantomime um but yeah badrul bador was never animated by the Walt disney company instead they gave us the wonderful jasmine and thank god they did yeah voiced by the brilliant linda larkin i want to add as well although she doesn't um do the vocals the singing vocals for jasmine we'll be mentioning the person that does in next week's episode because they will 
will crop up again. They will indeed. Yes, so that concludes part one of our Disney Princess mini series. Join us back next week for part two and we will be exploring the rest of the 90s and noughties and tens princesses as well, which will be super exciting. But now we are going to move on to the final segment of the episode. There are no strings on me. So for those of you who are new to Chat Disney Festival, welcome. Um, So this is a little segment where we basically have two truths and a lie about our experience with Disney. Um, A little bit of a test to see how well we know each other as well, I feel, how Hmm. many of our stories we have shared over the years. So Mercedes, why don't you give me yours first? Okay, I'm going to look across the room so that I don't make eye contact with Tash as I say these. So... The first one on my list is I once got my knee stuck in a railing at Disneyland Paris. Right. The second one is a cast member once misheard me and thought that I said my name was Miranda. Right. And the final one is I do not own a single photo of me with Minnie Mouse without any other character in the picture. Ooh. I don't think the Miranda one, because Mercedes does not sound like Miranda, and I just... I've fathomed to find how you could even mishear that. Um, so I'm going to shoot that one out the door. Um, you've got your knee stuck in a railing. Um, that could have happened. I'm trying to think how many railings. I guess in a queue it could have been. And the other one, you don't have a single photo of you with just Minnie. I'm trying to think of photos that I've seen of you over the years, and I haven't seen one of you with just Minnie. Um, I'm going to go for that one. You think I don't have a picture of me and Minnie? Yeah. That's correct. Is it? I only have, like, I have tons of pictures with Minnie and Mickey, but I still to this day have not been able to get a picture of Minnie on her own. And when I went to Disneyland Paris last January with Grumpy, I said to him, it's my mission. I'm getting a picture with just Minnie. And they had a Minnie Mouse meet and greet in Frontierland. And for some reason, for the five days that we were there, Daisy Duck was there instead. What? So I still don't have a picture of just me with Minnie Mouse. Crazy. Well, maybe in our January trip we can try and make it happen. Make it happen indeed. Yeah. yeah. Well done, Tash. That was very impressive. Thank you. Would you like to let me know your three facts? Yes, I will. So they're all kind of similar. So when I first went to Disneyland Paris in opening year, I was two. Um, okay, so I got to the front of the queue for Small World and was so scared, I didn't want to go on it, that my nan had to take me out of the queue. I was so terrified of Jiminy Cricket that I ran away ran, ran away screaming, or I accidentally stole a flounder plushie, plushie from one of the stores and my mum had to return it. That's really interesting because, I mean, you were a kid, we don't remember this. Yeah, I might not remember these. Any, any of them is plausible. But something, and it's such a random character, like I think I've only ever seen a Jiminy Cricket meet and greet like once, but that Jiminy Cricket story is just sort of, I don't know why, it's just ringing alarm bells in my head that I've heard it before, so I'm going to say the Jiminy Cricket is the truth. You are correct. Yes. I was terrified. I was terrified of him, but then I insisted on getting a Jiminy Cricket plushie. 
Aww. And I still have it. Well, it's probably in my parents' attic somewhere, but it is still there somewhere. That's cute. It's like you were trying to prove that you'd overcome the fear or something. I know, I know. I love that. That's really sweet. So that about wraps it up for today. Thank you once again for listening. Do join us next week where we will be discussing the rest of the Disney princesses. Absolutely. And if you want to get in touch and let us know who your favourite Disney princess is or you've got a question for Tash and I that you'd like us to answer, please do get in touch. We love hearing from you guys. You can tweet us at ChatDisneyUK or find us on Instagram at ChatDisney. We are looking forward to continuing with part two next week. Bye for now. See you then. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye.